parenting is a subject dear in my heart and has been for a lot of years. Um, I don't have all the answers even after having raised two boys and they gave us 11 grandchildren and we're working on them too. Um, I've learned, uh, we have learned a lot from our mistakes. I hope we have. Um, and please don't think, okay, please don't think that because we're in this class together, I'm going to be watching your kids. <laughs> the last half dozen times I've taught this class, it's been in other locations. So I'm there, I show up to teach class and whoosh, I'm gone and I don't see all their kids. So they don't worry about that. But we're here together every week. And I will be looking. Not. Please don't. I just block that from your mind, okay? Um, you, you're welcome to come to me anytime and ask questions. Hey, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that. What do you think I ought to do? And the standard answer will be just smack them. And then we'll be good. And you know that I'm only kidding about that, right? Um, so we're in this together, and nobody's going to be looking down their nose at how anybody else does with their kids, okay? Um, just a couple of curious questions, and then we'll pray. How many of you don't have children yet? Okay. Well, you sort of do, but you don't. Okay. Um, how many of you have um, kids under five? Kids under 10? Teenagers. How many have teenagers? How many of you have a classroom of preschoolers? <laughs> okay. All right, that's helpful. Um, let's take just a minute to pray and ask for the Lord to give us his blessing. Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to gather together and to think hard about parenting. Thank you for all that your word teaches us about parenting. Will you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Will you bless these days that we spend together for the good of our children and for, this, for the sake of your name? So, Lord, help us to enter into these classes with all of our hearts. Help us to think carefully and biblically and clearly. And we bless all of these sessions we spend together for the good of our kids. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, a few introductory thoughts. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you, I've got a book list up here. I've learned so much from these books and these books. And don't worry about writing them down. There's, I got a whole stack of, of uh, these up here. So please help stuff that after class. They've been very, very helpful. It's inevitable in a class like this that some of what we talk about will be familiar to you and some will not. Okay. How many of you have been in one of my parenting classes before? Ooh, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, good. Um, it's inevitable some of this will be familiar to you, even if you've not had this class before, some will be new. If it's familiar, then I hope um, you'll take Paul's exhortation to the Thessalonians, where he said, we urge you, brethren, excel still more. They already knew what he was telling them, but he said, excel still more. If this is new to you, then I hope you'll see that it's rooted in Scripture, and I hope it will be helpful to you. Um, let me give you a couple of uh, 
Cautions, there are no secret keys that will suddenly unlock all the mysteries of parenting. If that's what you're looking for, see you later. Because there are none. Okay? Um, and secondly, the Bible is a book of principles. We'll come back to this in a few minutes. What happens sometimes in parenting classes is everybody wants to get to the nuts and bolts. What do I do when my child does whatever? And we come to the Bible as if it's a textbook, and I've got situation 347, so I'll go to page 347, solution. That's not it. That's not how the Bible works, okay? It's a book of principles, and it's going to take a lot of thought and careful um, work to apply those principles to particular situations. So we're going to spend a lot of time with the principles that ought to undergird our parenting and that will give us help and direction in all the specifics that we want answers to. It may also feel like some of the challenges and dangers I'm going to talk about involved in parenting may not particularly apply to you nearly as much as they apply to our culture at large. But if we ever get lulled into thinking that our culture, however foreign that may be to our own personal practice, has had no effect on us or on our children, we're in a very dangerous place. How many of us don't need reminders, encouragements, exhortations to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Anybody here not need that exhortation every single day of our lives? The culture has a huge effect on us, even if it's only what we see in the news or hear about through the, the gossip chain or whatever. So some of what I'm going to say will sound like it's directed to the culture, and yes, it is, but that has a bearing on us too. Okay, there are few joys quite like those of parenting. There are few heart-wrenching experiences quite like those of parenting. There are few perplexing moments like those that come with parenting. There are few battles so critical as those involved in parenting. There are few memories so precious as those that come with parenting. There are few things so frustrating as parenting. There are few rewards like those associated with parenting. There are few tears like those shed in the course of parenting. True? Yes. If you've parented for three weeks, you know that all of that is true. Parenting is not a walk in the park. There are many walk in the park days. But there's a lot about parenting that is a battle. And I don't mean with your children. I mean for your children. Yeah, okay, there are battles on the home front that, that we got to fight. I, I get that. But I'm talking about parenting is a battle for our children. It's a battle for their souls, for their hearts, for their eternal welfare. And let's be clear about this from the start. The primary overarching goal of Christian parenting is not to have mannerly, well-behaved children so that we look good. That's not it. It's to see our children converted. And that's why we've called this class gospel parenting, because the gospel is the only hope for us and for our children. And if we lose sight of that, we may raise outwardly well-adjusted, nice little Pharisees. And they'll be as lost as the day is long. So our goal as parents is to see ultimately our children 
converted. And most of us know enough theology and understand that conversion is ultimately God's work, not ours. But we also know that God uses means to bring about the conversion of his children. And one of those means is surely the godly influence of parents. It's pretty easy to raise little Pharisees. It's a whole different ballgame to go after the souls of our children. The devil is out to get our children. Advertisers are out to get the hearts of our children. Movie producers are out to get the hearts of our children. Video game designers want the hearts of our children. Their future profitability depends on getting our kids right now. The politically correct shapers of our culture want our children to buy into their agenda while they're very young. This is, this is a real book. You can buy it. It's one, it's one of those little baby board books, you know. Bye-bye, binary. Are you kidding? Seriously? They're starting to get this for the kids who use board books? Yes. The politically correct shapers of our culture are out to get the hearts of our children. And that's why I say we must fight for them because everybody else is. And that's a battle we cannot afford to lose. And in that fight, this book must be our guide. Remember the familiar words of 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scriptures inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That means what it says. The Bible is sufficient to equip us for every good work. Is parenting a good work? Okay, I'm the teacher of the class. You've got to answer my questions. Is parenting a good work? Yes. Thank you. We'll do that more later, okay? I, I got to train you guys to how we operate here. Um, so yes, it's a good work. Then if it's a good work, the Bible is sufficient <clears throat> to equip me for that good work. Psalm 119, 104. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hit every false way. This gives me understanding. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding. The simple. The, I love that verse because I'm a pretty simple guy. And the Bible gives me understanding when I so desperately need it. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Nothing will make you cry to God like raising kids. And when we cry and we go to this book, he will give us understanding. I cannot underscore enough the importance of being committed to the Bible. I'll recommend lots of other books. And the ones I recommend, hopefully, are built squarely on the Bible. But there's more ungodly advice out there for parenting than ever, and it's dressed up to look really, really nice. It will ruin your children. And the pressure is not just to buy into this or that. The pressure is to abandon biblical methods of child rearing because they're outdated, out of fashion, cruel, heartless, and almost medieval and dangerous to your children and their self-esteem. The, the shapers of our culture will tell you that biblical parenting is that bad. They will. And we've got to resist that pressure. So if we're not committed to the Bible and its sufficiency, we may well find ourselves caving into the pressure of our God, godless culture. A culture that says it's okay to have two mommies. It's okay to have two daddies. 
It's okay for boys to decide to be girls and girls to decide to be boys, and it's okay for mommies to kill their babies. And they're telling me that my views of parenting are outdated and cruel and will hurt and damage my children? Hello? Oh, but the Bible is so old-fashioned, it's not really current. Good. Because if the current methods of child training are what works, then we ought to be racing back to get to the Bible's plan for raising our children. Parenting will test and reveal the depth, the strength, the character of your allegiance to the Bible. So we're going to stick to this book. But now, remember what we said a minute ago. The Bible is a book of principles that we must take and think through carefully and apply to real-life situations. The Bible is not going to give us detailed answers to every single situation we encounter with our children. There are hundreds of decisions you as parents are going to have to make. And you may not all make the same one. Okay? <clears throat> For example... The Bible says nothing specifically about breastfeed or bottle feed. Did you know that? It's not in there. It says nothing about pierced ears or not? No pierced ears. Tattoos or no? Do you use a timeout chair? Wait, 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 wait. Let's timeout chairs. <laughs> Giving your kids an allowance? Buying them a car? And parents fall out on different sides of that issue. You're going to buy your kids a car? When are you going to buy your kids a car? When are they going to be allowed to drive it without you sitting right next to them? Buy them a phone or not? When do you buy them a phone? When do you start dating? <gasps> Seriously? Never. Yeah. Our kids, our kids weren't allowed to get married until they were 37. We failed. You're going to feed them this or you're going to feed them this? You're going to listen to this, this, or this? <laughs> it doesn't say. So when we talk about a story like parenting, and there's so many issues that are not specifically identified in Scripture, there are principles here that will help us decide all that stuff, okay? But it's easy to be very critical of the way other parents are dealing with their children. Have you ever felt that criticism rising up in your heart the way somebody else just did with their child? I wish I could get them alone for five minutes. That's easy. And while there are many non-negotiables in the whole area of parenting, there's also a whole lot of latitude in the application of many of these principles. And not everybody's going to do it the same way. So what that calls all of us to is a very thorough, conscientious application of these principles to our homes and our families, and it also calls us to a very cautious, charitable, and generous attitude toward those who are parenting a little bit different than we are. So may I paraphrase 1 Corinthians 13? If I have the gift of parenting and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all wisdom so as to train the most incorrigible child but have not love toward my brothers and sisters, I am nothing. So be generous to each other. 
and charitable. Now, all of that is not to say there are no or only few joys to childbearing. There are many, and they are deep, and they are last, far beyond when your children leave the nest. True. It's true. But they don't come easily, and they don't come without cost. They don't come without some pain and sacrifice. They don't come by sticking your head in the sand and ignoring what's going on all around us and what's going on in the hearts of our kids. And if we don't appreciate the difficulty of the task before us, and that's what I want to talk about for a minute. Um, the joys of rearing children and watching them learn and grow and mature will quickly be displaced by the unspeakable anguish and the monstrous guilt of parenting gone sour. So we got to know what we're up against. Okay, so I want to talk. It sounds like I've already been talking about the difficulties. I want to focus in on a couple of things. And uh, one thing in particular, this is what makes it so hard. And I, how many of you thought the sin of your children? How many of you thought your own sin? It's both. We so often quickly point to the sins of our children. That's what makes it so hard. My child's a sinner. Guess what? Me too. And that's what makes it hard. It's our sin as parents, not just the sin of our children. How many of you parents, um, I'd like you to stand, please, if you've eradicated all your selfishness? No? How many of you have perfected the grace of self-control? No? How many of you have reached the place of unflappable patience? That's why parenting is so hard. It's our sin. And it's the sin of our children. If that's true, then the gospel is the great hope in raising children, both for us and our children. What our children need more than anything else is for the back of sin to be broken in their hearts. And only the gospel will do that. It's the power of God unto salvation. And we must give it to them early and often and earnestly. But it's also the hope of every parent who's ever been discouraged by his or her parenting sins. There is forgiveness and there is hope that my parenting sins may yet be overcome by the grace of God. And we've got to come back to that hope again and again and again and again, many times in a day. But sin has spawned all sorts of particular difficulties that have a bearing on parenting. We already talked a little bit about our present culture. There's a whole host of things connected to our present day that make challenging, that make parenting particularly challenging. It's the openness of sin around us, and our kids are not immune to that, okay? We can shelter our kids as much as we can possibly shelter them, and guess what? They are still going to be exposed to the openness of sin. The whole gender identity movement an unbiblical view of self-esteem that you never let your child lose and you never, never, never invade their zone of privacy. Whoa. That's a movement. Kids have a zone of privacy and you never, never invade that zone of privacy. Technology is an instant gateway to soul-destroying perversion. And there are the many pressures and Dangers of social media. For all of its benefits, there are lots of pressures and dangers for children. 
Let me say something about a different sort of challenge, and that is simply, and we'll, we'll talk about all the stuff on down the road, okay? I'm just laying out what makes it so hard. There's, another, there's a different sort of challenge, and that is simply the risks that come with parenting, especially parenting teenagers. You risk the disapproval of your children. None of us want that. We don't want their disapproval. We risk the possibility, the very real possibility of going through seasons when they just don't like you very much. And what's hard about that is that we cherish the friendship of our children. We do. But I'm not first their friend. Why am I? Class? I'm their parent. I'm their father. I'm their mother. I'm their parent. And as much as we cherish the friendship, we may have to risk losing that for a season. You risk the scorn and behind your back gossip of your friends who are also parenting teens. When you've drawn a hard but necessary line in the sand for your 13 or your 17 year old, you risk becoming the butt of the jokes your children's friends are telling. You risk the heart hurt of seeing your teenagers hurt by the cruel comments of their peers because of the places you won't let them go and the things you won't let them do or the clothes you won't let them you won't let them wear. And you draw lines. And sometimes it hurts and there's risk in drawing lines. You risk losing your own teenagers to their sullen withdrawal into an icy shutdown because they think you are the most unreasonable parent in the history of mankind. And you may actually hear those words. Everybody else's parents are better than you. I wish I lived with Johnny. That has been said. It's risky being a parent, but those are risks we must take. We must not let the fear of risk shape our parenting. Okay. One more challenge we face in parenting, and that's how we're tempted to think about the whole issue of having children. The thing of our culture about parenting and having children has shifted drastically. Simply having children is no longer viewed the way it once was. I love my children. I hate my life. That's a New York Magazine cover from a few years ago. And, and this mom says, no. I don't hate you, speaking of the child. I just hate what I didn't become. And if we were to finish that quote out altogether, we would say, because that's the intention, I hate what I didn't become because of you. There's a book written a few years ago with this title, All Joy and No Fun, Why Parents Hate Parenting. That was the original title of the book. The book, the title, they changed the title. All joy and no fun, the modern perplexity of raising children. The first title was more honest. All joy and no fun, why parents hate parenting. That's, that's, a, that's a prevailing view in our culture. It didn't used to be this way. Many parents sometimes have a different mindset about the demands of parenting. Having children is work. That's why they call it labor. But raising them is work. It just is. But it's work that we ought to call vocation. 
because it's a divine calling. It's not something I got strapped with. It's God's design for most married couples to have children. If that is true, then it's also God's design for parents to raise them properly. And that's huge. It's a lot of work, really a lot. But here's where this divine calling becomes something less than that. And maybe it comes from um, a subtle intake of the pervading culture's thinking. Maybe it's the frog in the boiling water analogy. Culture has subtly shifted over the last several decades that we now think it's just always been this way, which would be easier for younger parents to think who don't have the benefit of having lived for 50 or 60 or 70 years. And we've seen the shifts come. And let me tell you, the shifts have been seismic. They've been huge. Or maybe it's because parents are having children later in life because they're getting married later. And they've had several years of relative freedom and they've lived without children long enough to have developed habits and patterns of living. And now the children have come into the picture. They're more like a burden and an interruption. They just get in the way. But somehow parents in our day and sometimes even Christian parents have come to view child rearing as a cross to bear instead of a holy calling. What did I do to deserve this burden? And those who think that way have a mindset often of entitlement. Now listen carefully. There's nothing wrong with getting a break from your kids. Agree? Agree. Thank you. Nothing wrong with getting a break from our kids. But what ought to give us some pause is the thinking that ease and comfort is my right and these kids are getting in my way. And we need to guard ourselves very carefully in that kind of thinking. None of us deserve to have children. They're a heritage from the Lord. They're a gift and a blessing. They're a trust from God. We're stewards of them. We don't deserve them. To have them is a privilege. To be called to rear them is an unspeakable honor. To be a parent is a high and holy calling. It's not a cross to bear. It's not a hindrance to my lifestyle. It's not a sentence to X number of years of hard labor. Parenting is a kingdom-oriented, God-honoring, joy-saturated, heart-engaging, life-changing, self-sacrificing, and blessedly fulfilling calling from God. It is God-like to have children. First two words of the Lord's Prayer. Class. Are what? What does a father do? How do you get to be a father? You have to have what? God is our father. It is God-like to have children. <laughs> what is what? What an honor! What a privilege! That is to have children. And if we don't have that deep-seated conviction that parenting is a calling from God, then those days when the laundry never ends, the crying seldom stops, the toys rise underfoot, the bickering's about to erupt into war, the kitchen's a disaster, the diapers have never been worse, there's throw up on the couch, the phone has been ringing all day long, and now your daughter wants to buy that dress? Okay, y'all have never had that day, have you? Then those days will send us over the edge and make us wonder, what was I thinking? We've all had some of those moments. And it takes a lot of energy and the commitment is huge. And some days are more draining than others. 
But what helps us to keep all that in perspective is the deep, abiding, unwavering conviction that having children is a divine vocation. It is a calling from God. So we need to guard our mindset about parenting from being influenced by the thinking of this world and make a huge difference. Let me give you a brief word of encouragement here. Class, you read the red. Okay? And all I've done is taken some scripture verses and applied them pointedly to parenting. So he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in most glad parental weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. As hard as the challenges may be, as difficult as the task may be, as many as those harried days may be, there is grace, sufficient grace and strength for us to fulfill this holy calling to have children. Now let's shift just a little bit here and talk about some of the requirements for parenting. What does parenting require? What kind of parents must we be? And let me suggest a few. This is not an exhaustive list. It's just suggestive. It could be a really long list, but I've tried to zero in on just a few that are especially critical. And the first one is the fear of the Lord. I lost a sheep somewhere. Here it is. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, you well know, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom and before honor comes humility. The, don't, do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. And my point is we need to fear the Lord more than we fear our kids. We need to fear the Lord more than we fear what others think about how we're doing. We need to fear the Lord more than we fear the worldly experts. More than we fear the neighbors. More than we regard our own comfort and ease. Children don't generally pick convenient times to misbehave. True? True. The times they require focused, concentrated attention don't always coincide with halftime. Or the commercial break. The especially spontaneous, teachable, prime opportunities to drive home a lesson or illustrate a principle or make a point or to seize a moment of peculiar tenderness and vulnerability don't usually come during the 20 minutes we blocked out for family devotions. They come at inconvenient moments. They come at busy times. But when those moments come, when those moments come, one of the things that will enable us to seize those tender, teachable moments is the fear of the Lord. Because we fear the Lord more than we want the smile of our children. We love the smile of our children. We need to love the smile of God more. And the best way to secure the smile of your children in the long run is to seek the smile of God's face first. The fear of the Lord more than we fear other things that will distract us from parenting well. Courage, we need courage. And this is not altogether unrelated to the fear of the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. 
in the holy work of parenting. We need the courage to do the right thing with our kids. We need the courage to say no. That's not the only thing we say to our kids, but that sometimes it's hard. You know? We need the courage to risk their disapproval. We've talked about that. We need courage to go, to go against the imaginary crowd. The imaginary crowd is, Dad, everybody's going to be there. How many are everybody? Out of a class of 30 kids, two. That's everybody. Or sometimes, everybody's got one. Well, that might be true if we're talking about phones. <laughs> okay? Everybody. We need, we need courage to go against the imaginary crowd. Everybody has seen that movie. Come on, Dad. Don't be a stick in the mud. We need courage to do the right thing. We need to enforce standards. We need a gentle and compassionate posture. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That doesn't mean we're never firm. That doesn't mean we lessen our standards. That doesn't mean we let our children walk all over us. But we must never equate effective parenting with the volume of our voice. It took me a long time to learn that. I, I, I admit my boys heard my loud voice more than they heard my gentle voice in discipline situations. A gentle answer turns away wrath. One of the things that makes the Lord Jesus so attractive and inviting is that he is gentle and humble in heart. Is that the way we are with our kids? A gentle and compassionate posture. Doesn't mean we never raise our voice. If Johnny's running toward the street and there's a car coming, you better use your loud voice to get his attention. If the hand is about to come down on the stovetop that's still hot from the pan of boiling water that you just took off, you better use a loud voice to get Johnny's attention. You know, if you're 30 feet away. But we need a gentle and compassionate posture. Number four, we need wisdom. If ever there were a situation which you felt profoundly you need for wisdom, isn't it the rearing of your children? May I encourage you to live pretty regularly in the book of Proverbs if you have young children. There's a book that's out of print. It's called Signposts from Proverbs. How many of you guys have that book? Okay. If you would like a copy of that book, stick your hand up. You don't even know what it is. It's a topic arrangement of Proverbs, and it's got dozens of categories of behavior and what Proverbs from the book of Proverbs apply to that behavior. It's a really, really good tool. I wore mine out when I was the principal here at school because we used it all the time. We can make copies of that book. How many want to copy that book? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I'll make about 15 copies. It'll cost you about five bucks and that will just cover our copy cost. Okay, and it's not a copyright violation. We've got permission to copy the book. It's been out of print for years, and that's a sadness. I should take Banner to task for not reprinting that book. It's really helpful. 
Um, to, and you'll get tons of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. We need perseverance and consistency. Parenting is a long haul operation. Opting out is not an option. Giving up halfway through because it's really hard is not an option. Giving up because you're tired at the end of the day is not an option. Bailing out because it just doesn't feel like it's working is not an option. Throwing in the towel is not an option. You can't do that. How many of you have ever felt like to, I give up. The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Perseverance and consistency. A close, consistent, genuine walk with God. Taking on the task of parenting is one of those defining moments in our Christian lives. Becoming a parent is one of the most exhilarating experiences on the planet. You'll forget a lot of things, but you'll never forget the moment your child was born. I have a hard time remembering yesterday. But I can see when Benjamin was born. He's 47. I can still see when, when the doctor began to deliver him and out came his head. And the next thing, his shoulders came out and his hand went up near just like that. Finger spread. <laughs> and my thought was, he's going to be a five-point Calvinist. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I, that was yesterday. And when Aaron was born, he was way bigger inside than the doctor thought he was. And his head came out and the doctor said, you know, it's a push. It's time to push. It's time to push. And I think I pushed as hard as she did. I'm sure it wasn't anywhere close, but I'm sitting up there at the head of the bed and I'm, and Aaron starts to come out and his head crowns and, and the doctor says, stop, 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 stop. His mouth dropped open. Stop pushing, stop pushing. He was way bigger than he thought he was. And he had to do a little bit more of what's that thing they call the episiotomy. And so she wouldn't tear all over the place. And I'll, I'll never forget those two moments. Wow. But becoming a parent does something else. It exposes a sinful side of your heart that you didn't know you had. Part of that got exposed when you got married. Right? You didn't know you were selfish as you are until you got married and you lived with somebody else in the same space and you shared the same tube of toothpaste. Or the same roll of toilet paper. Selfishness. That happens again when you have children. You didn't know you were that selfish until you had children. The holy work of parenting will call you to new levels of self-control. It demands a dying to self, a self-denial that goes deeper and farther than ever before. It will require greater measures of patience and wisdom. It will drive you to your knees over and over again. It will humble you repeatedly. It will demand more spiritual backbone than ever. Where are you going to get all that stuff? You need a close, consistent, genuine walk with God at a time when maintaining that is especially hard because time is rare. Having young children is time consuming. Training little ones to sit in the worship service is distracting. And it's just these times that call for large measures of grace. Let me give you a couple of suggestions. Remember that God gives grace to the humble. Grace flows downhill. God gives grace to the humble. Stay, stay low. And parenting will help you stay low. 
Remember, especially as a young mother, that being in a trying place is a means God uses to increase our grace. James 1, that trying your faith produces patience, sees every opportunity to read and pray, even if it's only a few minutes, nap time, nursing time, nights when sleep doesn't come. Capture those moments to draw upon the wisdom of the Word of God. Husbands, may I give you an exhortation. See to it that your wife gets some time to herself. She often bears the brunt of the little ones. Get a babysitter for a couple of hours. You give the kids their bath and give her a break. Trade off on Sundays when you're training to sit in worship. So seek and listen to a whole sermon all the way through. That's a rarity when you have young children. Husbands, help your wives. This is part of your responsibility to nurse and cherish your wife. Remember that parenting is costly and it's not going to be easy to maintain your walk with God while being a faithful parent. But if ever there was a time when you need to give yourself with all of your energy to maintaining a close, consistent walk with God, it's when you're in the throes of parenting. We'll simply be better equipped to parent as we should if we maintain our walk with God. There's so many other things we could say. One last encouragement and we got to go. You know the drill. For this reason also, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Do you believe that? (laughs) That's true. All the grace and help and wisdom and strength and might you need for parenting is available to you and you can get it in boatloads at the throne of grace. You just got to be going (laughs) to the throne of grace and capturing those bucketfuls of grace over and over and over and over again. Okay? We got to go. We will build in some time for Q&A along the way. Um, So if you have questions, please, uh, what would be helpful is if you have questions, write them down and hand it to me. And then I'll be sure to get to them, okay? But we'll do some live Q&A here along the way. And um, Okay, I think that's it. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we make our way through this class over these next several weeks. Give us grace and wisdom. May we embrace the role you've given us as parents with joy and with delight and with determination. To do it with all of our hearts is unto you. And for our children, we pray more than anything that you would give them hearts for you. May they see that kind of heart in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.